You are listening to You Were Made for This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made for This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 30 in Adoption Relationship Story Part 2. In today's episode, we finish the interview with Gail Rohde we started in Episode 29. Our conversation with Gail is based on the premise that everyone has a story, and the more we know the story of others, the deeper our relationship can be with them. Now, if you haven't listened to Episode 29 yet, it would be better to stop now and go back and listen to it. Then when you're finished, come back to this episode. It will make more sense to you if you do. Gail's story is more than just an interesting account of how being adopted played an important role in shaping her life and making her the woman she is today. It's a story that illustrates some important relationship principles that we can all learn from, whether we're adopted or not. So assuming you've listened to part one of our interview with Gail, you may recall she talked about growing up knowing from a very early age she was adopted. Gail talked about her childhood as being a great one, with very loving and wise parents who openly talked about her adoption. While Gail was raised by these loving adopted parents, she was still curious from time to time about her origin. Where did I come from? What was my birth mother like? Why did she give me up for adoption? This missing piece of her own life story made her wonder at various times while growing up. On several occasions, her parents tried to help Gail locate her birth mother, but to no avail. And then another time, Gail decided she didn't want to contact her birth mother if she was found, for fear of being rejected a second time. I didn't want a door slammed in my face again. That would have been too painful, Gail said. It wasn't until she started having children of her own did her latent curiosity rise to the surface again. Through encouragement from her husband, Gail sent in DNA samples to Ancestry.com and 23andMe, hoping that maybe her birth mother would have done the same. And this is where we pick up the interview today. So listen in. But then something's happened just recently that you told me about. Yes. Um, so in March, about once a month, I would get an email from 23andMe if I had any new DNA matches for relatives. Um, so it'll just say, you have new DNA relatives in this email. And so I got you know my monthly, monthly email, and so I opened it up. And it's, like I said, usually third to fifth cousin, second to fourth cousin, something like that. And I opened this email, and it said, I had a new DNA relative, and the predicted relationship was mother. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> yes, yeah. my eyes opened quite wide. <laughs> yeah. First thing in the morning. Um, so, yeah, that was a shock. Huh. So how did you feel? I mean, how did, what, what was going through your mind and your heart at that oh, time? Oh, so many, so many feelings. I think first um, was, could this be real? 
Yeah. Is there a chance that this could be false? I don't want to set myself up to, you know, what if this isn't true? Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I showed the email to my husband and just make sure I'm reading this right. <laughs> make sure I'm not still dreaming. And um, looked at the, the match of our DNA. It'll show like your, your DNA strain and it'll show where you're matched. So for like a cousin, it would be like 5%, I think, was the most I had ever matched with anyone. And oh. that was supposed to be like a predicted first to second cousin. Um, this said 48.9% match of DNA. Hmm. I was like, well, I kind of can't deny that. Yeah. I mean, even if the test wasn't completely right to test that closely it has to be sure um so here was suddenly a name and a photograph and a connection wow and yeah i think i felt just about everything i mean it was you know doubt and excitement and elation and fear and trepidation and uh, yeah what do i do next yeah what did you do (laughs) (laughs) There's a way to message somebody through 23andMe. So I, you know, it took me the longest time to, you know, I just kept saying to my husband, what do I say? What do you say to someone? Okay, yeah. so you're my mom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't know. So I think I just wrote a very small note that said, basically, it looks like I'm your daughter, and I couldn't be more thrilled about that. Um, if you would like to connect, please send me a message. And it felt like it took forever, um, but it was probably only about a day, if even that. Mm. And she responded and just said, yes, 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 I would love nothing more than that. Wow. And gave me her email address. So. Wow. I want to back up a minute. You, sure. said, you said a while back that, that when your dad offered to help you, you, you didn't want to do it at that time because um, there was this fear that, what if she didn't want to have anything to do with me? Mm-hmm. Did you have that same feeling at all with the, the ancestry or the uh, 23andMe revelation? You know, there was probably a little bit that was part of the fear and trepidation yeah. <laughs> that I may have had. And yet, as I thought through it, I thought, well, she probably wouldn't have taken this test without knowing that it could lead to me. Yeah. Uh, and so I had to just kind of believe that that was why she may have done it yeah. and that there, that makes sense. you know yeah yeah i was going with that <laughs> yeah good well it sounded like she responded real well yes yeah yes yeah so what what's been happening since that time uh so we've been emailing back and forth quite a bit you know it started out with uh, you know once she gave me her email i i said opened up this email and i thought well do i just tell her about me? Do I ask her all sorts of questions about her? How do you do this? I don't know what, yeah. I've never done this before. Um, and I think I even wrote that in there. I said, I don't know what to do. Should I ask you? Should I tell you? Uh, so I said, well, let me just tell you my life story in a nutshell. And so I just you know, kind of typed out a general, you know, this has been my life. Uh, and then she wrote back about a day or two later. And um, her first line was, oh my goodness, I cannot even believe how similar we are. Hmm. And then shared her whole life. And um, just, it was shared interests as children. We were both gymnasts. We were both in the marching band. We both didn't have close relationships with our mothers. We both adored our fathers. I mean, just little things like that that were kind of amazing to me. Um, You know, and yeah, 
I, nothing, you know, we didn't live really similar lives. You know, we didn't have, you know, similar careers, anything like that, but just a lot of those little things that was mm -hmm. just amazing. Hmm. Um, and the more we've talked, uh, yeah, just a connection, a, yeah. a different kind of connection than I've had yeah. with anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what kind of questions do you have of her? Questions that I've that I still want to have answered, or questions that I've, well, you know, I mean, she, you know, she shared with me, you know, the story of of how I came to be. Ah. Um, you know, she shared with me. I was I was born at a home for unwed mothers, and how she ended up there. You know, was basically due to the the relationship with her mother and the, ah. you know. She had been out of state when she became pregnant with me. She was living out of state and um, came home because she was going to marry this man. And when he found out she was pregnant, he left. Hmm. And so she came home, hmm. I'm assuming for support. And her mom put her in a home for unwed mothers because wow. it was such a shame. Yeah. Um, and so there she was. Um, wow. And she said that at that time... Um, other people that she had known of who had given birth to children out of wedlock um, were completely shunned in the community she grew up in. And she saw one person who couldn't even enroll her child in school. And she said as she, as she thought through that, she said she wanted to keep me really, really badly, but she, yeah. she wouldn't put me through a life like that. Yeah. Um, it must have been such so, a hard decision for her. It must have been just horrible. Yeah. And, you know, for so many years, I had felt, especially on my birthday, it was very difficult for me because I was given up on my birthday. Oh. And so for years, you know, that was kind of when the abandonment issues were prevalent. Mm -hmm. But then now to know this and mm. to know how painful my birthday was for her more so than it was even for me, mm. you know, that it was just so difficult for her to have to make that choice yeah. um, and that she desperately wanted to keep me mm -hmm. and for years, you know, thought about what was I doing, what was I like, you know, um, yeah. it just changed my whole perspective. Yeah. You know, when you, when you don't know the other person's story, it's really easy to be very inward focused. Sure. And now that I know the story, that story is so much less about me mm. and about her and the turmoil she was going through and what she had to do yeah. to give me a life that she knew was better than she could provide yeah. and was such self-sacrifice on her part mm. that all these years I was feeling so bad, mm -hmm. but it really, she gave me so much more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting to think what your life would have been like had she kept you. Yeah, we've talked about that. Ah. It's been really interesting yeah. to what talk it, about that. Um, it, you know, she she went on to photography school and became a professional photographer, and hmm. she was a wildlife photographer. And I think that you know, I told her that if you had me, you may not have had that opportunity to do that. Yeah. You may not have been able to put yourself through school. You would have been providing for me. Yeah. And you would have had this passion that you would have never been able to fulfill. Mm. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. it would have been different. Yeah. Was she in the same town as you no, were living? No, she never was. 
she never was. I mean, I grew up right here, um, and she has always lived either in Florida or California or Colorado, and yeah. now she's in Wyoming. Yeah. So yeah, she's never all all those. All those times at Mayfair, staring at people to see if they looked like me was a waste. Yeah. <laughs> she was nowhere close by. Wow. Yeah, Mayfair, for our listeners, is a, a large shopping mall in the, in the Milwaukee area. Um, you mentioned uh, your birth father. Any interest in finding him, or is there a way even to do that? Or You know, I, she hasn't given me a lot of information, and I haven't asked. Um, yeah. Apparently, she sent him a picture of me right after I was born in hopes that he would come back, mm. um, and she said she never heard from him again. So, you know, I don't feel a need. Yeah. It would be nice to see a picture. It would be nice to maybe know a name. Yeah. Um, I have no need to go find him. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe because he just never, at that time, and who knows, um, seemed to want Mm-hmm. to know me so yeah yeah do you have plans to uh, see your mo- your mother yeah in fact we just planned um, a weekend coming up in about five weeks um, I'm gonna fly out there and we're gonna meet wow yeah wow yeah a little scary a little exciting yeah mostly exciting uh-huh <laughs> uh-huh yeah and and are your uh, adopted parents are they still alive Oh, my dad died about 19 years ago, mm. um, and my mom is still alive. She's in an assisted living. Um, she has some memory issues, and it was interesting. I went to talk to her um, a couple weeks ago and kind of tested the waters, and so I just I just said, you know, do you remember how you and dad adopted me all those years ago? And she gave me this look like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, she's she's in a good she good mental state that. today. Yeah. Um, and so I told her, and she was so excited. And she said, all those years we looked and looked, and now you finally found her. I'm so happy for you. Oh, Um, that's great. So, yeah, which was great. And it just really made me feel good about continuing to pursue a relationship Mm -hmm. with my birth mom. Um, I feel like it's okay. Um, And I feel like it's at a place in my life where I'm not going to feel like, yeah, there's any tension um, between who am I, you know, giving more attention to or anything like that. You yeah. know, I feel like I'm free to to explore that relationship and that my parents would be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. That's so, great. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, it's interesting, too, that to find out that my birth mom never had any other kids. Huh, yeah. So, you know, she's, I'm her one and only. Yeah, and she never married? She she married one person for a few years um, in the early 70s, and he was a very violent person. Uh, and so she divorced and never married again. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she, she was overwhelmed um, by the fact that now she's got grandkids. Huh. And a son-in-law. Yeah. And, you know, she's been by herself all these years, and suddenly she's got yeah. family. Wow. It's wow. So. a great story. Yeah. When, when you do meet with her, are there, are there questions or things you want to talk to her about? Have you... Oh, I have a whole list. <laughs> 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 I've been writing down questions, um, um, and I don't know that we'll... I'm assuming a lot of this will just be over time as we continue yeah. to develop our relationship. But yes, I've got all sorts of questions about what it was like in the Home for Unwed Mothers, and... You know, I don't want to bring up painful things, but I would really love to 
just kind of know what she went through. Yeah. You know, what that must have been like for her, what that time period was like to um, be a new mom and to have that shame yeah. you know, that probably went with it at that point. And, um, yeah, questions about just her whole life. Yeah. Why she made the decisions she did and yeah. what what makes her tick, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 It's interesting to think, I mean, you, you talked about how... Um, her life path and your life path, in terms of interests, were very similar. Mm-hmm. You're both in the marching band. Is that yeah, what you said? Yeah. Wow. What's the, what's the chances of that happening? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Crazy. Be interesting to see what her personality is like. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and yeah, and just is she as wonderful as you are, Gail? That'll be the. That'll be. The <laughs> <laughs> She's more wonderful. She's more wonderful. Um, yeah. It's been neat, too, to learn, you know, little things like, you know, she's a photographer, and she had a brother who was very artistic, and she's got nephews that are have degrees in art and film, and, you know, I always assumed that my kid's artistic ability came from my husband, who's very artistic, uh-huh. um, and it, who knows, maybe some of that's from my side, too, yeah. and, you know, I love crafts and knitting, and, you know, I do, you know, other kinds of things in a creative way, and uh-huh. so... You know, that too is just really fascinating. I never assumed that any of that came from, you know, my yeah. heritage or, you know. Yeah. Very fascinating. Yeah. So. Well, I want to ask you too, like during this whole process, uh, you know, considering the fact you were adopted and where where have you seen um, God involved in, in all of that or in mm. any of that? Mm. Uh, I see God involved in all of it. Mm. You know, I, th- I feel that just the way it came about, um, because I wasn't so actively searching, um, you know, I kind of feel like, okay, God, what am I supposed to do with this? Mm-hmm. You know, what am I supposed to do with this information? How can I, how can this relationship glorify you? Mm. Um, you know, people that I've talked with, they're like, wow, God is just in all of that. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping that as we develop a relationship together, that, you know, God can just be glorified in our story. Mm-hmm. Um, and God can be glorified in our, um, in our relationship and in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know that she's walking with God. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that she is open to spiritual things. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, as we discuss and as we are able to share our lives with one another, that um, it'll just be able to be mm-hmm. um, something that can be a part of, of our yeah. relationship. Sure. Wow, that makes sense. What, what, advice, what advice would you have for... Uh, parents who have adopted children, and then what advice would they have for people like you who have been adopted? Any suggestions or recommendations that you would have? Hmm. Well, you know, like we already talked about honesty and, you know, being open to discuss with your kids about Mm -hmm. how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think that um, adoptees have, have kind of been overlooked as far as feelings that they have. You know, I, mm. I don't think that it's put out there enough of, you know, even in these wonderful families, and it's a wonderful thing to adopt, and 
um, you know, kids that wouldn't have had opportunities to be in loving families, but there's still issues that go on inside of adoptees' hearts yeah. that, you know, where do I come from? Who am I really? Who are my people? And it's such an interesting dichotomy to have a love in a family and yet not feel a part of that family, oh, if that makes sense. It does. So, you know, I just feel like it's so important to be able to discuss those things with adopted children mm-hmm. and to be open to just listening to mm. what they're feeling. And I feel like that's what my dad really did for me. If I was feeling upset or feeling like, you know, dad, I just don't feel like a part of this family right mm. now. You people mm. are weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, he would just always listen to me and just say, you know, I can understand how you would feel that way and mm. just know that we love you. Yeah. And whoever you feel like you are and you need to be, you know, we love you and you're a part of our family. Um, but we realize that, you know, you may feel different yeah. at times. Yeah. Um, so I just think just being open to listening yeah. and, you know, at different ages, you know, kids can discuss things differently at different ages. Um, so, yeah. 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 And and for the the adoptee, you know, people mm-hmm. in your position, mm-hmm. any suggestions or mm. recommendations? You know, the thing that brought me great comfort, especially I think in my teen years and on, was realizing that we're all adopted into God's family. Mm. Mm-hmm. That really gave me great comfort to know I'm not alone. We're all adopted. Yeah, there's not one person who is you know not yeah. adopted into God's family. Yeah. So that brought great comfort to me yeah. as an adoptee to know that. And I think even in my college years, I had that verse taped on my mirror. Uh-huh. Um, hmm. So, you know, I think just realizing that there are people around you who love you and that those are the people you need to associate yourself with mm-hmm. and surround yourself with in those times that you feel lonely to realize that you feel lonely or to realize that you feel abandoned. I think it's important to uh, name what you're feeling inside, try to really figure out what those feelings are mm-hmm. and then be able to go to others and let them know, go to God um, and that mm-hmm. it'll, yeah. it'll help. Great. Great. Any last words, Gail? It's been great uh, hearing your story. And yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for letting me tell it. It's uh, it's exciting still to be able to, to tell it. And some days I still wake up and it's like, wow, I know yeah. my mom. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought I would. Well, you'll have to remind us later, uh, you know, as it gets closer to your trip, um, to pray that, that that goes well for mm-hmm. you and that you, you get answers. And yeah. um, it sounds like you're going to be a great blessing to your mother, mm-hmm. like you've already, already mm-hmm. have been mm-hmm. from what you've shared. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, well, that's, that's my prayer. I, yeah. hope, I hope I can be a blessing to her because she gave me life. Yeah. So. Great. Well, thank you, Gail. Thank you. What an encouraging and uplifting story that at the same time illustrates several key relationship principles. I mentioned some of them in part one of the interview. There are more that I picked up in this episode. The first one that comes to mind for me is the role her husband played. Let's see. We'll call him Mike, because that's really his name, Mike, Mike Rohde. For Christmas on her birthday, Mike gave Gail an Ancestry.com testing kit 
and then another from 23andMe later. It was his way of encouraging his wife to deal with the angst and mystery of the events surrounding her birth. Sometimes we just need people in our life to encourage us and to help us move off dead center. Way to go, Mike. You raised the bar for all of us. A second principle I learned is that Gail did something to deal with her angst. She could have continued the rest of her life feeling like a victim, a victim of a mother who abandoned her. But Gail didn't. She wasn't like one of those people we all know who do nothing to deal with a problem because they find greater comfort in being the recipient of injustice. Another principle I see in Gail's story is leaning into her pain rather than running from it. She was given up for adoption on her birthday, which made that occasion a painful one. I was abandoned on my birthday, she said. But then, when she connected with her birth mother, a whole new light was shed on why her mother gave her up for adoption. Gail saw her adoption as her mother protecting her from shame. She realized how painful this was for her birth mother. And with this, she sees her birthday, her birth mother, and her life in a whole new light. Gail said something along the lines of, When you don't know the other person's story, it's easy to become inward focused. Now that I know her story, it is so much less about me and so much more about her and the turmoil she was going through and what she had to do to give me a life she couldn't provide, and the sacrifice she made. What a great way Gail now looks at what used to be a painful reflection. I don't know about you, but her attitude inspires me to do what she did with my own set of problems. And then there was a sharing of this good news with Gail's adoptive mother in the memory care facility. I loved her mother's reaction to Gail's joy when she said to Gail, All those years we looked and looked, and now you found her. I am so excited for you. Gail's mom was rejoicing with Gail. It's rare to see this, people rejoicing over the joy of another person. I think we do fairly well at mourning with people who mourn. But rejoicing with people who rejoice? Well, not so much. Her adoptive mother's response made Gail free to pursue a relationship with her birth mother without any tension in her relationship with her adoptive mom. Without saying the words, this was a great gift of permission Gail's adoptive mother gave her. Sometimes the best thing we can do for people is to give them permission. Permission to remove any barriers so they can experience freedom in whatever they want to pursue. When I asked Gail where she saw God involved in all of this, I loved her response when she said she saw God in everything. I loved how she said she wants to use this reuniting with her birth mother to glorify God. We all need to do the same thing in our relationships, whether adoption is involved or not. And finally, the last principle I learned from Gail particularly in her advice at the end to adoptive parents and adoptees, is something I need to mull over because I think it's rather profound, and it's this. Feeling a part of something 
is more important than feeling loved. These are my words, not Gail's. It's just my take on her story. Gail felt loved as a child, but not always part of something. We all long to feel part of something. Well, before I close, here's the main takeaway from today's episode, our show in a sentence. With God's help and in His timing, there is joy to be found in pursuing a relationship with someone who gave up on us for reasons we don't understand. I'll say it again. With God's help and in His timing, there is joy to be found in pursuing a relationship with someone who gave up on us for reasons we don't understand. Well, here's an action you can take in response to today's show. Who in your past abandoned you for reasons you didn't understand when it happened? Could now be the time to revisit that relationship, to pursue that person, and to consider the possibility that it might have been just as painful for them. Could it be that God will help you do this? So in the end, you will have more joy and he will get more glory. And now our relationship quote of the week, and it comes from Gail Rohde herself when she said, When you don't know the other person's story, it's easy to become very inward focused. Gail Rohde. Well, thank you for joining us today. As I mentioned in last week's episode, if you know adoptive parents or an adult adoptee, please share this episode with them. I think they'll find it helpful, as would others who may be dealing with difficult relational issues from the past. And above all, remember what you were made for. You were made to experience life-giving, fulfilling relationships. We're here together to learn how. So see you next week. Goodbye for now.